thankful for the good songs this morning. You stirred her heart. Might ask you this morning if there's anything else on your heart before we change the order of the service. I pray today that we always have a heart of thanksgiving for those of us that's been saved and been born again. For we were bought and purchased with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And this morning, uh, we're thankful to have this opportunity as we realize that uh, we may not ever meet in this setting like this again. And uh, certainly, uh, today is a new day and we think we thought a lot here lately about time, and uh, as James said, that uh, this life is but a vapor, and then we're here for a little while, and then it vanisheth away. And certainly today, uh, we're thankful that God has given us another day. Uh, but there is coming a day out ahead of us that uh, I don't know when that'll be, but we'll either all perish, uh, for we know the wages of sin is death. And then cometh the judgment. So I don't know if we'll uh, perish or, or if he'll come back first. But uh, be certain of one of those two things. And certainly today we're thankful that God has given us another day. I have had a thought this morning and um, or part of the week here. And the Lord will give us liberty. I won't try to preach on it just for a few minutes. Um, I want to. Take for our reading lesson this morning from the 13th chapter of Matthew. 13th chapter of Matthew. And you'll find here uh, the Lord Jesus as he's speaking about uh, these parables. There's about seven parables here. Some are uh, lengthy. Some of them are, are small as far as a couple of scriptures in length. Uh, he talks about the sower of the seed. He talks about uh, the field, he talks about uh, the, the one that would come around and snatch the seed up uh, as far as being the wicked one. Uh, he talks about the tares in the field. He uh, goes into great length of context in the description here that he talks about uh, these verses of Scripture. And uh, he does some explaining about them. But in the first uh, parable, you'll find that uh, he talks about the one that would be the sower. And, but as he moves on down through uh, the description of these, he starts talking about the kingdom. And he gives a description of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I'm certainly thankful this morning for the kingdom that God set up on this earth. Uh, I believe that he set it up before he ever left. And uh, be in the church. And this morning, that not only uh, do we know that lost people need to hear about Jesus, but the church needs to be strengthened as well, certainly in the day and times that we live in today. Uh, the Bible tells us that we are living in perilous times and that we need to take advantage of the time that we have because we don't know, uh, as we said before, uh, as we were singing that song, let us labor while we have time. And let us do it out of joy of heart. Let us do it because it ought to be not only our reasonable service, and sometimes I think we get a little hung up on that. It's our reasonable service. Uh, listen, if my servants to God and what He's done for me and for my, for, in my life, not only saving my soul, 
but my service to Him, if that's the only thing that I find that I can do, that might bring Him honor and glory for the goodness that He showed to my life, then my friend, I have a desire to want to do that. Uh, Not because there's anything special to me, but He called me into this work. Though I didn't feel worthy of it, I believe this morning, if you're going to stand, uh, there's many a men today that go to a, a, a preaching college and seminary of things of that nature and say that they're going to be preachers. Uh, but we'll find in, in the Scripture that God called out men uh, that He had chosen to carry His Word. And though uh, I feel that they feel the same way as I do, that they weren't worthy, uh, when the Spirit of God helps you, uh, my friend, He enables you to be able to do that work. Uh, so this morning, I feel in my heart, uh, not only with that, but with the church, uh, He gives us a work to do. And we want to try to speak on some of these things this morning. I want to take for a reading lesson the 13th chapter of Matthew, starting in the 45th verse. 13th chapter of Matthew, starting in the 45th verse. If you know the worth of prayer today, I need your prayers. That God might show up on the scene and that His Spirit might abound. Help us today. He said again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I want to stop our reading there this morning. That would be reading from the 13th chapter, the 45th verse, and the 46th verse. There's a great uh, many of people I have heard uh, through the years that have preached this in a couple of different ways. They preached the merchant man, as one that would be seeking to be saved in that pearl of great price as Jesus uh, this morning. But I I see it a little bit differently, and I pray the Lord might help us in this. Uh, I see that merchant man this morning as Jesus Christ. I see that pearl of great price this morning as His church, as His kingdom. And this morning, with the Lord's help, I want to try to speak to you a little bit about this pearl and what it means. Now, I don't know a whole lot about pearls. Uh, my wife uh, is not uh, what you'd say uh, high maintenance, I guess, would be the word. She don't wear a whole lot of jewelry and things. But she has some pearls from time to time that she'll uh, bring out of the jewelry cabinet and, and put them on. Her grandmother had given them to her years ago, and uh, they look very nice on her, but she keeps them up and and keeps them put away. But I, I want to read to you a little bit uh, about what a pearl is, if uh, you'll just bear with me for a few moments. It says, uh, the, natural pure, the, mat, the natural pearl, nature's rare and beautiful gift. It says, among all the gemstones available in the world, the pearl is absolutely unique. This is due to the fact that it is the only one which is formed entirely within a living being. Pearls are produced in two basic ways. The natural way, without human intervention, and the cultured way, when they are farmed by people. In fact, only one in approximately 10,000 oysters not in farms will ever produce a pearl and of those, only a very small percentage would ever yield a gem that is of the right shape, size, color of something desirable.
Natural pearls have always been deemed rare and are universally costly. And uh, so I want to stop there for just a moment. And when we think about uh, these pearls, I I want you to keep that in mind of the context of what a natural pearl is and how very rare that they are. And as Jesus here was speaking, he said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when we think about this merchant man, that word merchant means someone who would uh, uh, trade or would sell uh, uh, something to be purchased. And when you think about this merchant man here, how he is seeking, uh, uh, um, he is seeking goodly pearls. And this morning I, I began to, uh, during this week, began to think about that and began to think about the Lord's church. And, and aren't you thankful this morning that uh, uh, yes, I believe in all of my heart that uh, uh, those that are lost must come to the Lord Jesus, for that is the bid that He gives. And my friend, you must have a willing heart this morning to seek after Him. Uh, but my friend, I'm thankful this morning that He comes seeking after you. That is what the Scripture says there in the 19th chapter of Luke, for He says that He came seeking and to save that which was lost. And my friend, this morning, that is what he's desiring to do for you, as that you might be lost. And each and every one of us that have been uh, uh, saved, that have been born again, uh, my friend, there was a day and time when you were lost and separated from God, that he comes seeking after you, because you were lost. Uh, My friend, you were uh, on your way to destruction, and my friend, you were on your way to hell, But I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ came passing by. And when we think about these oysters, uh, we think about these um, uh, oysters that produce pearls, uh, we think about where they're found at. And my friend, they are found in the muck and in the mire. Uh, That's where they're found in the depths of the sea. Uh, They're found, uh, there's some freshwater oysters, but they're found in the muck and the mire. And the more that I began to read about this, uh, the more it just settled in my heart that, my friend, I want you to understand this morning as a born-again Christian, uh, do you not understand that we were found in the muck and in the mar? My friend, we were found in the very depths of things. Uh, I believe, uh, my friend, that uh, uh, David, uh, there in the 40th chapter of Psalms, he puts it this way, and uh, for if you want to, you can flip over there and read it with us. But David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my prayer. Now, I want you to understand, when you're seeking God, my friend, uh, uh, listen, it doesn't always happen just at the snap of a finger. Some people seek God for many years. I, I don't necessarily understand that, but my friend, you must seek Him until you find Him. And my friend, it doesn't matter to me how many years it takes. It doesn't matter if it happens in the split second. And my friend, you can be saved this morning just in the snap of a finger if you'll meet His conditions. What is His conditions? A broken heart and a contrite spirit. A broken heart. What are you broken hearted about? Why is your spirit crushed? Why is that heart, that inward man, why is it crushed? The Scripture says that godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of, 
but worldly sorrow worketh death. Godly sorrow. Uh, yes, there was a time in my life that I had uh, uh, worldly sorrow, uh, for I had thought about my daddy who had died, and my friend, somebody told me that I was saved, and I thought that I was going to be all right, but my friend, there come a time uh, there at Rocky Mound when I heard the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and my heart become broke. I didn't no longer have daddy's sorrow, but my friend, I had godly sorrow because of a Savior that came and gave His life for me. My heart become crooked. David said, I waited patiently. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He said, he brought me up all out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. My friend, listen to me this morning. As God's people, I think sometimes we need to realize just where God has brought us up out of. He's brought us up out of a horrible pit. My friend, this morning, uh, we were stuck down in the miry clay. And we didn't feel like we had any goings about us. We felt like we were stuck. Uh, uh, that's the way it felt. And listen, uh, the very night that I become lost uh, was the very night that God saved my soul. And I believe that can happen for you today. But listen, you've got to get yourself out of the way. You've got the desire to be saved more than anything. But church, listen to me this morning. There's none of us that has any good about us. Lost person, listen, that's what the Scripture teaches. There's none good, no, not one. There's none righteous. We're all as filthy rags this morning. And the only thing this morning, and we can truly say this, those of us that's been born again, the only thing that's good about us is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's the one that's imputed righteousness unto us, though we didn't deserve it, though we was bound for a devil's hell. The only thing good about us is what He puts in here. We was without hope. And he reached down his hand to us. And he picked us up out of a horrible pit, out of that miry clay. And he set our feet upon a solid rock. Upon the very foundation of Jesus Christ, for he is the rock. And what does he say? That he established my going. What does that word establish mean? It means to set up. Or footsteps firm. My friend, when you're on the rock of Jesus Christ, you're standing on a firm foundation. Though the world around you may crumble, though everything else around you may fall apart, when you're standing upon Jesus, my friend, you'll never fall. He's the one. You think in this life that you're going and you're getting somewhere, but without Jesus, you're not going anywhere. He establishes our going. He says it this way. He said, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. He said, He's put a new song in my mouth. My friend, when you are, uh, maybe this morning you may be here and lost and you're trying to sing praises and bless your heart. I'm thankful that you're involved. 
But unless God saves you, you don't understand what you're singing about. How can you understand the glories of heaven unless you know where you're going when you die? How can you understand the goodness of God unless you know that He's brought you up out of a horrible pit? Unless He's established your goings. When He saves you, He puts a new song in your heart and you understand what you're singing about and you want to sing and give praise to God. Because the old man's dead and He's put a new man in here. He's seeking this morning. And for those of us that's been saved, listen, He sought you. Do you remember a time when you was, uh, listen, I still believe in the convicting power of the Spirit of God and unless He passes by this morning, that's what we need. Lost sinners need to be convicted. What is conviction? Conviction is guilt. It's a sense of shame. And I've said this before this morning. uh, There's no need to feel uh, any shame about being lost in a sense that everybody that's ever been saved has been lost. But listen, I want to say this. When you're lost and separated from God, there is shame. There is guilt. And there needs to be. Because there's nothing good about us but what God's done for us. He's the only hope that we have in this life. You have to see yourself in the condition that you are that without Jesus Christ and being born again and seeing that the the Son of God that He gave His life for you upon a cross at Calvary without ever seeing that, my friend, you'll never go to heaven. Without calling out to Him in repentance and faith, my friend, you'll never be saved. You say, that's a pretty strong statement. But it's the truth this morning. It's the truth. We need the convicting power of God. When I was lost and separated from God, I believe in all of my heart, those saints of God that they got around me, that altar at Rocky Mound was full of people praying, and they was praying for me, but I believe they was praying, God, send conviction. Convict him to a place to where God did. He can do nothing but turn to you and trust in you. I've said it this way before. I want sinners to get so convicted that when they're laying in their bed at night that they feel the flames. It needs to become real to them. There needs to be a sense of urgency There needs to be a sense of a need that they need to be saved. And without Jesus Christ, they'll perish forever. My friend, aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus passed by seeking you? That night at Rocky Mound, that was my night. I believe he knew. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe it happened by chance. I don't believe that I was just there just because I believe in all of my heart that was my night. And Jesus passed by, and he's still passing by today. He was seeking you. Listen, there's other places in the Scripture this morning. It says when Jesus uh, 
I was talking about before that we need the convicting power of God. And my friend, this morning, uh, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost. We live in a day and time in the world today that people don't like that term Holy Ghost. I don't know why. It's in the Scripture. Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit mean the same thing. It's God in the Spirit. We need it. We can do nothing without it. I can't preach without it. You can't testify without it. We can come and go through the motions, but without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. He does the saving. There's a whole lot of decisions for Christ today, but very few conversions. You say, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You get out of this place right here and go down the road, there's a whole lot of people that's making a decision for Christ, but very few conversions. What is a conversion? It's a change that's been made on the heart. It's a change on the inside. That's what a conversion is. What is it that Matthew says over here in the 15th verse of this same chapter? Jesus said this way in regards to speaking in parables. He says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted. And I also, uh, and I should heal them. Uh, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He said, uh, uh, this way, he said, should they understand with their heart and should be converted. My friend, there's still a process this morning that God is converting sinners. And that's still what we're preaching today. It's not a decision for Christ. It's not a, I'll just believe because that's what they tell me to do. It's not about the mind. It's upon the inward workings of the heart. It's a conversion. God comes into the inside of your heart and my friend, He does an operation in your heart. He cleans it up. He puts His Spirit in it and it becomes new. He imputes His righteousness into it. There's an operation that takes place. You say, Casey, why not? It seems like you talk about the heart a lot. Because that's where it all takes place. It seems now to me, and maybe I'm a little bit different, but young preachers anymore don't talk about the heart. They want to talk about how it's deceitfully wicked above all other things. But my friend, when God saves your soul, He changes it. It's a conversion that's uh, been taking place. This heart on the inside can't sin anymore. It's clean. It's been washed with His blood. It's white as snow. It's been forgiven. Do you understand? That's the reason why we believe in the security of the saints. Though this flesh sins, the inward man's been born again. He can't sin anymore. In church, that means something to me.
I can't remember here a while back I looked how many times the scriptures and not even in the Old Testament and the New Testament how many times that it regards the heart and my friend if you've ever seen a definition you ought to get you uh, taken printed out it's about three pages long we're still trying to figure out the heart what am I talking about when I talk about the heart I'm talking about the soul of man the inward man This morning, for those of you that's been born again, you didn't just simply make a decision for Christ, but you were converted. Who done the conversion? Jesus Christ did. You weren't just taken uh, down and baptized somewhere because you up and made a decision, but my friend, baptism comes after salvation. When Jesus Christ was crucified there on the cross at Calvary, that soldier came by and he placed his spear in the side and what come forth? Blood, then water. The blood was applied and then water, baptism. First you must be born again. Then baptism. There's a lot of people in the world today that are trying to manufacture services. They have all the good music. They have orchestrated choirs. They have all of these different things. They have scripts when you come in. Orders of services. All these different things. And in the respected places, that's okay. But my friend, you cannot manufacture the Holy Spirit. You can't bottle it up and say, here it is, just take it. My friend, the Spirit of God, when He comes in and He passes by, it's a sweet time. It's a sweet time. How does the pearl grow? It grows through the oyster. The oyster allows the pearl to grow and protects the pearl. We should desire to grow in knowledge and in grace. How does that pearl, how is it developed? Well, the Bible, uh, the, through what I've been able to find out, that uh, there's a piece of uh, irritant, uh, some type of sand, if you will, that gets into that oyster and uh, through that oyster trying to uh, uh, deal with that irritant or that, uh, uh, that piece of dirt or sand, that, uh, that pearl begins to form inside of that oyster. And my friend, this morning I want you to know that that natural oyster, that natural pearl, my friend, is so very rare as I was trying to read to you earlier. Um, we ought to have a desire this morning to grow in the knowledge and the grace of Christ. It ought not just be something that, well, I'll study and, and I'll, 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 I'll go to church and I'll listen to what the preacher says on Sunday morning or I'll come and, and, and listen to what this one says on Wednesday nights or Sunday morning or Sunday school. But it ought to be our desire as God's people to understand His Word. It ought to be our desire to read what the Word of God says. It ought to be our desire when we look at these words in red. These words of red should mean something to us. They're the words of the Savior. They're the words of the one that brought you up out of that horrible pit and he established you goings. I'm not standing before you claiming to be a, a, a scholar this morning, but the more that I read, the more that I learn, the more that I, I see just a little bit more, the more that it draws me closer to him. What is our desire this morning? 
when you think about what it is to have fellowship, a lot of times we talk about in regards to fellowship within our church and fellowship within our home church with one another. But this morning, I want you to know, before we can ever have fellowship with one another, we've got to have fellowship with Him. We've got to be in fellowship with Him. What is fellowship? It's communion. We've got to be in communion with Him. Listen, if we just uh, come to church on Sunday morning because it's out of our reasonable service, but we live our life how we want to through the week, my friend, listen, we cannot come in here and expecting that the Spirit of God meet us. It doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. We ought to have a desire to have fellowship with the Savior. You not understand what he says here about this pearl of great price? He said, and again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. When he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had. And he bought it. My friend, you've been redeemed. You've been bought. You've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He gave all that he had. Everything that he had. He was there in the splendors and the glory of heaven. And he said, Father, I'll go. I'll pay the price that they cannot pay. I'll be the sacrifice. And He's bought us and redeemed us with His precious blood. He comes seeking a goodly pearl. You think about the Lord Jesus and His bride. This morning I I was thinking this week about me and my wife and First evidence that we have a husband and a wife there in Genesis. God created man and made man and placed him there in the garden, called his name Adam. He made Eve. He put Adam under a deep sleep. He took a rib from his side. Close to his heart. He made woman. He made him a help. And I believe in all of my heart this morning that the church, the true and living church of God is Jesus Christ's bride. It said then that those that were two should become twain. Those that were twain should become one. Excuse me. They'd become one flesh. And my friend, though that we're here on this side and we still have spots and wrinkles, we still have uh, blemishes about us, there's coming a day, my friend, when uh, we won't any longer. And I believe in all of my heart that He's bought and purchased His church with the precious blood. It's His bride. When we think of a pearl, Is a pearl worth anything if it's broken? No, it's not, is it? Pearl's the only piece of gem that's not polished, that it's not manufactured, that it comes straight out of the oyster and it's hung on a necklace just like the day that it was made. 
But if you used to take a hammer and smash that pearl, it'd be worthless. It wouldn't be worth anything. When it's, in, when it's complete, there's unity there. But when it's broken, the unity is it's not there anymore. My friend, that's the reason why I believe in all of my heart that we need to have unity not only with the Lord Jesus, but with one another. Fellowship. Listen to what Jesus said over here to these churches at Ephesus and Laodicea. Lord Jesus here in this third verse, the second chapter of Revelation says, Thou hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, if you go back and read there the Ephesian letters, you'll find how that uh, Apostle Paul is talking to them. And I don't know exactly how many years here has went by when uh, uh, John wrote this and scripted this down. Here's the Lord Jesus is speaking. But he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And my friend, this morning when we begin to leave our first love, who's our first love? Jesus Christ. When we begin to put things out in front of Him, when we begin to uh, 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 not make Him one of the most important things of our life, of, of our being, of everything that we have, my friend, then everything else will fall apart. Though we might labor, though we might work, if Jesus Christ is not our first love, which would imply to me that all of them, all of them had gotten to a place where Jesus Christ wasn't their first love. Wasn't. It says, For I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. I don't believe he's just talking about, uh, I think he's talking to everybody. I think he's talking to the pastor. I think he's talking to everybody. Fellowship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to read this and I'll try to shut it down just here in a minute. Third chapter over here in Revelations. Jesus was speaking here to the church of Laodicea in the 14th verse. And he says, Unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write these things, saith the Amen and faithful in witness and beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold, and I would whether thou art hot or cold. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of, thy, out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, naked, I counsel thee to buy me of gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint the eyes of the uh, eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. And to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me at my throne even as I also overcame and have sat down with my Father in His throne. And he that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches with the mistake that we've made reading. But here it is that Jesus is reaching out and He tells them, He said, I know thy works. He said, thou art neither hot or cold. Uh, he said, I would rather you be hot or cold. I've heard different interpretations of this. And I'll just tell you, my, I believe He's talking just as plain as it can be. 
I think he's saying you're neither hot nor cold. He said you're lukewarm. He said, I'd just rather spew you out of my mouth. It was nauseating to him. Uh, the fact that they were neither hot nor cold, because if they was hot and cold, he could do something with them. My friend, how many of us this morning's ever been cold? I've been cold. I'm not talking about cold in a natural sense. I'm talking about sitting there and having trouble feeling the Spirit of God. And my friend, I've been just as hot as I could ever be, just ready to shout the roof off. And I'd much rather be hot than I had to be cold. But my friend, when you're cold, God can do something with it. If we find a place to where we'll repent and call out to God and ask Him for help, my friend, get to a place to where we see Him as our first love. Him first and foremost. God, no matter what, I want to have fellowship with You. I want to have unity with You. It is essential, my friend, that we have fellowship with the Father. If my fellowship with my wife is not right at home, my friend, it, it hurts everything. It hurts our family life. It hurts uh, everything going on inside the home. It's not right. It's, it's just not how it ought to be. But if me and her and our fellowship is where it needs to be, my friend, everything else will fall together. Jesus told him, He said, you lukewarm. He said, because I'll say him, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Boy, God's been so good to us that we feel like we have need of nothing anymore. But my friend, without God, we'd have nothing to begin with. He's gave us everything that we've got. He's given us the homes. He's given us the clothes on our backs. He's given us the vehicles we drive up and down the road. He's given us the families that we have. He's given us the health, the food that's on our tables. Everything this morning that we've got has come from God. Everything that we've got has come from Him. He's the creator of it all. He gives it to us. It's all His. Even my children are His. I'm just borrowing them for a little while. It's all His this morning. He, he's given me the responsibility to care for them. I'm just borrowing them for a little while. It's, it's all His. You not understand this morning, he says, to you, you thank yourselves to be rich and have need of nothing. That's how they'd got to a place to where they was lukewarm. They was just kind of going through the motions. Listen, he said, I would spew you out of my mouth. He says, but knowest not thou that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Without Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ, I'm still wretched. I'm still no good on the outside, but it's on the inside is what's good. Remember I told you earlier, the only good thing about me is what Jesus Christ has done for me. He said, therefore I counsel you to buy me gold tried with fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As I 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. My friend, aren't you thankful this morning that God chastens us as, our, as his children? He chasteneth who he loves, don't he? He gets us down to a place this morning where he says, I need to be able to use you. I've got to get you down to a place, and sometimes that gets difficult. Sometimes that gets hard because uh, I've still got pride. I've still got things in my life that is going on. But God said, I want to get you down to a place to where I can use you. And my friend, sometimes the journey to get low is hard. Sometimes we got to get real low. But my friend, God's people still have to get low and repent. You want fellowship with Jesus? My friend, He's got to be first in our life. Do I fail? Have I failed? Have I put Him on the back burner? Absolutely, time and time and time and time again. But boy, I'm thankful this morning when I went to Him and asked Him, Lord, help me. Help me, God. Help me get to a place to where I can lift you up once again. You know what he's done? He's helped me. Do I fail every day? Absolutely I do. But boy, I've got a desire this morning. And I believe God looks at the intent of the heart. When I think about this, and I'll be done here. I'm going to wrap this up. What is the destination of the pearl? It's headed up. The destination of the pearl was found in the muck in the mire. And it's headed up. And my friend, this morning, aren't you thankful? Uh, not only when He saved our soul that we were baptized to walk in the newness of life, but my friend, even beyond that, that one day after a while, my destination is headed up. I'm going up to heaven one day after a while. The pearl of great price. Church this morning, I don't think sometimes I even understand how much that he loves his bride. I think about how much I love my bride. Y'all say, oh, here he goes talking about his wife again. I'm thankful for my wife. You know why I'm thankful for her? Because God gave her to me. I prayed that God would send me a helpmate. He sent me the one I needed. This job ain't easy, and I'm not asking for your pity, but God sent me the one that I need. And if you'll pray this morning and ask God to send you a helpmate, my friend, if that's His will in your life, He'll send you one. I think about how much I love my wife. And brethren, this morning, I know you love your wives just the same. I'd die for that woman. I wouldn't even think about it. I'd take a bullet straight to the heart. I'd die for my children. I wouldn't even think about it this morning. I love her. God give her to me. When I think about how much I love my wife, Jesus Christ loves His bride so much more than that. It's the pearl of great price. He paid a price for her. My friend, this morning, I believe that we need to be careful about how we talk about his bride sometimes, too. Listen, somebody go running down my wife, I'm going to have problems with it. We better be careful about how we talk about the Lord's bride. 
Not every church this morning is in the, not part of the bride, but I'm talking about the church that the Lord Jesus Christ set up, the true and living church of God. This morning, aren't you thankful for the kingdom of God? Though we're all separate, independent bodies, we're all part of the kingdom this morning. I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom. I hope one day, I don't know if I'll be part of the bride or not. I don't know. I hope I am. But if I'm not, at least I'll get to see her adored in all her glory. I'll be there to witness it. And it'll be beautiful. I won't be jealous. Won't be no jealousy there. But boy, I'll be thankful. I'll say, wow, look at the Lord's bride. Look at her shine. You know, that's how it was when my wife walked down the aisle. I was standing there and I seen her come down. Seen her come down that aisle in that white dress. She's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. One day after a while, when we see the Lord's bride, she's going to be the most beautiful thing we've ever seen. She's going to really shine. So this morning, you talk about that pearl. She was purchased with a great price. Great price. He loves his bride this morning. Church, we ought to love the Lord's church. We ought to love him. Lord, to love and want and desire fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus this morning. Where He's brought us from, He's brought us up out of a horrible pit, and He set our foot upon a solid rock. Aren't you thankful this morning for the rock of our salvation? That'd be our thought this morning. I pray it be a help to us this year. I pray this year that you find a desire and a need to find yourself at the Lord's church. A need and desire to serve Him, not out of reasonable service, but because of what He's done for you in your life. That would be my prayer today. As we have a verse of song this morning, we want, to, we want to come around and shake hands with one another. If you're here and lost, we want to encourage you this morning to come and seek the Lord while it may be found. If we'll have a verse of song.